out debt. I pray for those who are struggling under a burden to make the monthly note that you would help them to be a steward, a good steward, a faithful steward. You own it all. We're just stewards. A faithful steward over that which you've entrusted to them. Bless them, I pray, with bonuses and raises, promotions and inheritances, supernatural favor, witty inventions and ideas, jobs, better jobs, houses that we didn't build, vineyards that we didn't plant, all of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. Overtake them. Bless that we might be a... In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go right ahead.
Father, we declare, we decree that from this place, from Wasilla, from Alaska, you are going to launch forth ministries. And you're going to launch forth missionaries. You're going to launch forth church planters and prophets, evangelists. You're going to launch forth those with apostolic unction and anointing. From the body of Christ, you're going to launch forth people into the far-flung corners of the world to spread the crazy love of Jesus. You might not have ever heard of that family, but you will. One of the things I love about Omar and now having met his wife is that they're humble. There's a humility about you and a servant's heart that's about you. And as you continue to stay humble before the Lord in transparency and brokenness, the Lord will raise you up to heights that you have, I mean, you just can't even imagine exceedingly abundantly above beyond all that you could ask or imagine music's going to go around the world everything they already told you already that's true amen isn't that right you got a bunch whole stack of prophecies music's going to go around the world's true i agree i see it too 
What a blessing. Thank you for ministering to us. Take your Bibles, please, and turn anywhere. It's all good. <laughs> Luke 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I am your father. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Luke 17. I haven't done that one in a while, so I figured I'd give it a swing. Luke 17, I want you to look at verses 1 through 5. Let's all stand for the reading of the word tonight. We do have notes for you. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourself. Everybody say, watch yourself. If a brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Love that. Okay, God, we ask, come tonight, release truth to all of us. May we have ears to hear and hearts to respond tonight, what you want to do. Your presence is so real here tangible presence of your spirit and we thank you that even in the preaching of your word there's going to be miracles release power because that's just what you do do what you love to do tonight change us I pray come on if you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit pray in your prayer language just do that right now We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I have notes, but I, if it's all right, I'm going to take my freedom and liberty to perhaps blow off my notes. I do want to talk to you tonight about offense. Not, not offense outside. Offense. Handling Offense. How many of you ever been offended? If you haven't been, maybe I could get to it by the time I'm finished tonight. Truth is, we've all been offended. How many of you had somebody sin against you? Welcome to the human race. You can go ahead and write it in the notes. Welcome to the human race. It's common. If you're a human being, you're going to end up having somebody offend you. Now, Jesus spoke words that offended. I've often found that he offends my mind to reveal my heart. And tonight, I don't want you to be ignorant of Satan's schemes. He's got a strategy to get you offended. If he can get you offended, then you will be suspended on moving forward in the plan of God. Jesus said that we should live above offense. 
I'm not talking about picket fence. I'm talking about a wounding in your heart that can take place. Offense. Would one of my tech guys, where are you? Would you raise the, raise the screen for me and just, yeah, over here. Thank you. All right, thanks, John. Jesus spoke words that offended. One of my favorite texts, I have a number of favorite offense texts. One is found in Matthew 15. It's the story of the Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus and he basically calls her a dog. She says, Jesus, will you heal my daughter? And he doesn't even answer her. Matthew 15, doesn't even answer the woman. And the disciples say something like, you know, send her out of here. She says again, will you please heal my daughter? And she was a a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, not a Jew. And he doesn't even talk to her. He says basically, he ignores her the first time. The second time, he says, healing is the children's bread. Why should I give it to a dog? Pastor Jesus, sweet Jesus. Sweet, loving, kind Jesus calls homegirl a dog. I bet she cried just like that. The truth is she didn't cry. She got over it. And she pressed in. She pressed in and overcame a potential where she could have been offended. Another favorite text, and by the way, she got her miracle. She says a response like, yes, but even dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. Thank you, sweetheart. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Kings, I believe it is, 2 Kings chapter 5. Another favorite text of mine before we get into Luke 17 is 2 Kings 5. You need to turn there. Second Kings 5, there's this guy, his name is Naaman. Everybody say Naaman. One, two, three, Naaman. He's the commander of the army, verse 1, the king of Aram. He was a great man on the side of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord, the Lord anointed him to bring destruction, basically, had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So here's this guy, great man, Naaman, has leprosy. And if you read the text further on, there's this maid that had been captured in Israel. And the maid talks to Naaman's wife and says, man, I just wish that your husband was in Israel because there's a prophet there and he could heal him of his leprosy. He finds out about it and says, I'm going. He's desperate. He's hungry. He wants his miracle. He has letters written from the king of Aram to the king of Israel saying, my commander's coming and we want you to heal him of leprosy. The king of Israel says, oh great, who does he think I am? God? Like I can heal his leprosy. In other words, he's thinking that he's asking the king to heal the leprosy. But he were really asking for a man of God, for a prophet, Elijah. And one of the king's men says, well there's Elijah, why don't you call him? They basically end end up sending Naaman to Elijah's house. Naaman shows up at Elijah's house. 
knocks on the door, and Elijah is playing his Xbox 360 and does not even get up to answer the door. He doesn't even get up. He sends his servant, the hand washer, Gehazi, who blows it for money later. But right now he answers the door. Gehazi answers. And I can just see him just kind of crack the door. Yes. Now you got to know that Naaman, when he came, he came with a whole entourage. I mean, he came with all kinds of goods and, and treasures to bless the man of God. So as Gehazi opens the door and looks, you got all this entourage behind Naaman. And Naaman says, I've come to get my leprosy healed. And I can just imagine Gehazi closes the door. I'll be right back. The prophet tells him, go dip seven times in the Jordan. So Gehazi goes back, opens the door and says, yeah, yeah, he's playing Xbox. Listen, just go dump, dunk seven times in the Jordan. You'll be healed. Have a good day. Bless you. Closes the door. And Naaman gets so bent, he's so irritated because after all, he's a... Great man. And he's so irritated, he's wroth, King James. That he's that he's leaving and he's like, Couldn't I have just dipped in any one of the rivers back home? They're clean. That nasty Jordan's all muddy. Couldn't I have dipped in a river back home? I can't believe it. And he starts he's offended. He's all bent out of shape. Because he had this picture of the great prophet coming, going, Yay, raise your hands. And he gets healed. Or something. Has this picture of some big thing that's about to happen. So Naaman gets the leprosy healed. And one of Naaman's soldiers, praise God for people around us who are willing to slop us. One of Naaman's soldiers says, now, if he asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? He says, yeah. He says, just do it, dude. So he becomes what we call the Big Dipper. He dips once, twice, three times, four times, five times, didn't stop at six. He dipped seven times, obeyed, came up as pure and clean as a baby's bottom. No more leprosy. He could have allowed the offense to mess him up. Now, go back to Luke 17. Jesus warns us in this text. He warns us of three things in this passage about offense. First one is, people will offend us. (laughs) Now, the Greek word is scandalon. Really, the King James does a better job than the NIV. The NIV calls it sin. The word in the Greek is scandalon. So sin is really not a very good translation of that word, scandalon. Who's got a King James? King James says offense. It's the best definition because the word scandalon is what that means. Throughout Scripture, I'm not sure where they put sin. He warns us that people will offend us. Now, a scandalon, a scandalon, I've, I've preached on this before. Scandalon is a stick that holds up a trap. It's a part of a trap. Any of you try to trap a, you know, get a milk crate and try to catch one of those pine nut squirrels when you were a kid or something? You take a little stick and then you put a string around it and you put a little piece of corn in there and you hide around your shed and you just wait for that stupid squirrel to come so you can pull the string, and the stick will come out, and the trap falls on top. That's what a scandalon is. A scandalon is that little stick. And Jesus warns us that, that offenses will come. Sin, he calls it sin. Sin will come. Offenses will come. 
really, really offense is something that happens, and if it's not dealt with, it'll cause you to be ensnared. It'll cause you to be trapped. It'll cause you to be caught by the enemy. The enemy has schemes. He has strategies. And you've got to be not ignorant of the strategies of the enemy. You have to understand that he wants to take you down. He comes to steal, kill, and... Yes, he does. He knows just how to do it. So Jesus warns us. The people will offend us. People are fallen. Who have fallen human nature. You don't ever have to teach a kid how to, how to not share. They've got it automatically. You don't have to ever teach a kid how to be selfish. They're really good right away. Why? Because it's just part of their nature. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have to deal with our flesh. We were talking earlier before the service with some of our youth. You talk about your flesh. Man, you're going to have to deal with your flesh, baby, till it's over. Until it's over, you're still going to have to deal with your flesh. You're never going to get so anointed you won't have it. Until the day the trumpet sounds and you're dead and in heaven worshiping with all the saints that went before us. You're going to have to deal with your flesh. People are falling. You know, I, I was thinking about that. And I'm thinking, yeah, God could make a perfect world. How come God didn't make a perfect world? If He's almighty and all-powerful, how come God couldn't just make a perfect world? He can make a perfect world. You want to know how God can make a perfect world? He has to wipe all of us out, and then it will be perfect. Not only people are falling, but we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where accidents happen. We live in a world where there can be a tsunami. We live in a world where there can be earthquakes. I don't know why they call them acts of God. Sometimes they are. Sometimes it is. Are you saying there's judgment on Japan? I've got no idea. I ain't even going to begin to say anything about it. I don't know. I just know God's good. People are suffering. He loves people. Pray hard. I mean, that's what I know. Are there things like judgment? Oh, yeah. Was that judgment? I don't know. I have no idea. It's irrelevant. Let's get the gospel out. That's the point. People are suffering. Amen. Let's help them. Let's love them, right? How many angels on the head of a pin? I don't know that either. So we live in a fallen world. Accidents happen. Things happen. But we don't want to dismiss Satan. He, Satan happens too. And that's number three. Satan's real. And I have found in my many years of pastoring that Satan is real and he uses people. He uses people to offend so that other people will get messed up. They'll get entrapped like the little squirrel. You remember the squirrel? Some of you tonight are under a crate. You're trapped because you've been offended and you've not dealt with it. You've not dealt with the heart pain that you have because somebody hurts you. It's the enemy has pulled the scandal on, pulled the stick, and you're underneath a crate tonight with the little pine nut squirrel and you need some help. I've seen people get offended in church because an usher asked them to take their hat off. As I quickly scan for hats. Look, let me just tell you. You want to wear a hat? You can wear a hat. Let me tell you what my dad told me. You don't wear a hat inside, son. I said, okay. So that's how I was raised. But some people are raised, it doesn't matter. You wear a hat, don't wear a hat, whatever. In this day and age, my kid's taking his hat off, but if you want to wear a hat, you can wear one. I said, I got a culture in my family. 
I have a, I'm going to pass that down. I see that as a thing of honor. I'm not offended if you wear a hat, but my kid's taking his hat off. All right? And the whole, your whole family can wear hats. I'm unoffended by it. I'm good. It's good. It's cool. Wear your hat. Enjoy your hats. I like hats. It's great. I was just taught I was trained. My daddy trained me. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but my daddy trained me. You don't wear a hat in, a, in the house. You walk, the second you walk in, your hat comes off, son. You don't wear a hat. My, my dad told me when the Pledge of Allegiance comes, you stand up on your feet and you take your hand and you put it over your heart, boy. I said, yes, dad. My dad is a Marine. You're going to do it. You know what I'm talking about? Semper Fi. Pain is good. All that, yeah. And my father was a Marine and a lawyer. Try that mix. I just... But I've seen, I've seen at sporting events where some people, they don't even stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. They don't even know to look at the flag. Don't know to put their hand over their heart. I mean, I was even taught there's a right way to hang a flag. You can hang a flag the wrong way. You know, and all of you old-timers are like, yeah, you all grew up in the 50s and stuff, and you're like, ah, everybody grew up 70s and 80s, don't know anything about flag stuff unless your parents taught you. But I've seen people leave church over a hat. They go, I'm going to wear my hat. And, and, you know, the usher was born in 1948 or whatever, and he's an older guy, and he's like, you're taking your hat off, kid. Don't be punk in my house. This church, take your hat off. He said, I'm going to take my hat off outside. I ain't even coming back to your church. And they never come back. He got offended over a hat. Both of them. Sometimes people say stuff that's stupid. Heard a story of a, a woman who was, uh, her husband died. It was terrible. Uh, and at the funeral, she got very offended by the church in Cincinnati. She left the church and never, ever went back to church for 40 years. Missing out on, her, on, on the joy of fellowship and, and hanging out with the saints. And you say, well, I just don't even like being around people. It's because you need healing. I don't want to go to church. I can go to church up in the mountains. That's where my church is. Oh, shut up. You need people. Hey, for those of you online, we're back online. Our internet got fixed. God bless you. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can't just go to church and see my shiny bald head ricochet off these quartz halogen lights and say you went to church. You're getting fed. Praise God. It's good. Get fed. You're going to get fed. Don't get offended at me. You need to find a church. You need to be in a home church, a local church, wherever you are. If you're in Missouri, you're in Florida, find a local body of believers where you can plug in so somebody can look at you and help you say, you know what, you're really ugly with that right there. You need some help. So you can change. Come on. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. So I am mindful that Satan is real and he does... Get people in the right place to try to offend us. If you look at B, it says, Woe to the person who offends or sins against another. There's some people who just have an insensitivity towards others. They're insensitive. In other words, they're going to do whatever they want to, and if somebody else doesn't like it, well, they can lump it. I tell you something, slap yourself. You're selfish. You're worshiping yourself. I don't really care what anybody other people. Listen, you need to care about people. If we just did things that were just just irritated and made people offended all the time, and we just did it because we wanted to do it, that's not right. 
Jesus said it's better to throw a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the... It's better to have a violent death. Better to have a violent death than to be somebody who walks around offending people all the time. Jesus is clear about this. Some people do things without regard for how it affects people. And Jesus, Jesus says to them, Woe unto you. If you live a life where you're constantly offending people and you don't care, there's a warning. Woe unto you. Don't do it. Because you cause other people to sin. If you cause, yourself, cause another person to sin because you're self-centered, woe. Come on, somebody say woe. It's a warning to us all. Look at C. To watch or to take heed for oneself. You've got to watch out. This comes right out of the first five, five verses of Luke 17. Watch yourself. How are you living? Are you, look, you could, are you a perpetrator? Fill in the blank. Perpetrator. Are you a perp? Are you live your life in a way that you're always offending people, always in somebody's grill, always, always bothering people? Playing coarse jokes, thinking it's really funny, putting stuff under somebody's pillow. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Slap yourself, you moron. Get a grip. Inside joke. That dude is prophetic. Nah, I heard something. Everything. Are you a perpetrator? Are you living in such a way that's causing other people to, 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 to stumble or fall or get hurt or get wounded in, in the name of humor or, or what you think's funny or so that you can be more comfortable or so that you can get a, a hand clap or an accolade or feel like you got power? Whoa. Somebody say, Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. So you got to watch out. I was uh, a tour driver in, in Maui for a number of years, and I would give tours from the top of Mount Haleakala, 10,023 feet, on a bicycle, all the way down 40 road miles, all the way to a little town called Paia. Go from, it's, it's the steepest road and the shortest distance in the world, is what they say. 10,023 feet to sea level and under 40 road miles. I mean, you got to have some good brakes on those bikes. Special hub brakes, disc brakes they have. So I go through my tour. It was a great tour. I got tipped really big. It was awesome. Dropped all my people off at the hotel. And Hillsong had just come out with this brand new, I think it was God is in the house. That tells you how long ago it was. A long I know some of you know the song. Some of you are like, God, what? Anyway, Hillsong, Hillsong came out with this CD, God is in the House. I, I had that tape, and it wasn't a track, I don't think, but I had the tape in there. And, man, I was, I was driving along this long stretch of road. It was bumper to bumper. Everything was moving about 40 miles an hour, slowly but still moving. And the fire of the Holy Ghost fell in my van. I'm telling you, I am weeping and crying 
worshiping God. And I was so rejoicing because soon I was able to get rid of my van, jump in my car, and break every speed limit all the way to go see my girl, Karen. I was really excited about that. And I, I was driving with my knee, and I was so messed up that I rolled my window down and just lifted both hands. I lifted both hands and just like, oh, God, I love you, God. Ah. I drove the whole distance, so that we're talking 10 miles or so, the whole distance, both hands up, one out, driving with my knee, weeping and crying. My shirt was wet by the time I got back to the base yard. I got to the base yard. The owner is standing there. What were you doing? I came in. He's like, huh? He said, what were you doing? We just got repeated phone calls of you and your driving. I said, I was driving perfectly. They said, that's not what they said. They said that you had both hands in the air for miles. I think the road is straight. Come on, I drive good with my knee. Anybody else? All right. I once drove for my, with my knee from the... The, from Compton, 91, off the 91 freeway in Los Angeles, all the way to Malibu with my knee. Uh, that's if you know that area. That's impressive. Okay. Now, back to the story. And I said, yeah, that was me. And the, his wife steps out, and she's smiling and says, you were worshiping. I go, yeah, I was, I was worshiping, yeah. And they go, that's... Don't do that. Can you keep one hand on the wheel? And they just laughed hysterically because they thought, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I was, a, I was a crazy Christian guy. They called me Father Bracken on the day. <laughs> the person who saw me with my hands out got offended. I remember once when I thought I was supposed to be the next youth pastor in our church. Then I'd been serving for years diligently. Pastor Steve was sent out, and he was on the mainland. Pastor... Pastor Gannon had taken over, and he was going to go take one of our churches in Lanai, and I was the next logical guy that you would pick to be the, the guy who would take over the youth. I was so ready to get out of the painting business. I had gone through my schooling. I have the anointing of fire upon me, and I was going to preach my brains out and just tell we got to have a youth revival. So they said, you know, uh, uh, Brother Bracken, we want you to just, you know, take the youth for a couple of weeks. We're praying about what we should do. During the couple of weeks, man, God came and lit up our youth group. They started getting saved. Miracles started breaking out. Church, the youth group started growing like crazy. I think we, we greatly increased in size. I don't want to say double, but all of a sudden it was packed. The power of God was coming. I think I got to preach twice. Maybe three times. And then the announcement came. Uh, yeah, it's not you. We're bringing in this other guy. And I'm thinking, you have missed God altogether. <laughs> you know, you're not the youth guy. Uh, you know, good job. You get a great gift to be able to preach. Praise the Lord. Uh, but you're, you're going to help. And I thought, what? You cannot be hearing from God right now. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I just, I'm just like, uh, I couldn't believe it. And I really think they're like, somebody's in sin. Somebody has obviously missed God. Because the Lord told me 
that I was going to be the next youth pastor. My, my wife even confirmed it. She believed too, right, babe? And then the news came from leadership that must have been in sin. I knew enough of the word to back out of that thought process and realize you need to submit, boy. And I submitted, but I'll tell you what I did. I was offended. And I went from, from preaching with, with signs and wonders, no kidding, that's what they tell me. We saw God really breaking out. To the next week, I was a dude who sat in the back of the room and took down the names of the kids that came into the room. I went from being in the front with a mic and a to the back with a pencil in some obscure corner taking attendance. I lost my joy, lost my fire, lost my zeal, got totally offended, had a hard time worshiping, and that went on for a number of weeks. And I remember the day the Lord rebuked me and said, what are you doing? I just thought, I don't know. You're offended. Did I tell you to stop preaching? No. I have called you to preach. This is what he said to me. The devil had beaten on me that day, and I'd failed at just about everything in my life. And And the enemy was going, well... Could have been a professional athlete, but you blew that too, didn't you? Yep. Could have done this, but you blew that. Could have been the president of the United States, but you blew that. Could have done that. You know, just went through this list. Right? You can't do anything. And the Lord interrupted me. Interrupted Satan. And said, hey, son, did I call you to be president? No. Did I call you to be this? No. Did I call you to that? No. Did I call you to that? No. Went through the whole list that the Satan just talked to me about. No, 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 no. All the way down the line. And he said, what have I called you to do? And I knew what he called me to do. I said, God, you've called me to preach your word. You've called me to declare your wonders. You've called me to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living and save souls, love God, deliver men. That's what you called me to do. And I preached that to the Lord. And he said, then do it. Later that night, I was in Kmart with my wife. And I broke out. You've heard the story. I walked by a phone, grabbed the phone, said, shut up, da, da. And Karen said, oh, my God, what are you doing? I punched the codes. And I sang some little Christmas song or something. It was the holidays. And I preached the gospel about people getting saved. I got totally delivered. My jaw came back. My peace came back. But I had gotten offended. Are you offended tonight? Has somebody said something to you that's hurt you and now you're finding yourself running or missing the joy? Are you offended tonight because of something that happened or a broken, disappointed dream that you wanted to have happen and you knew God was going to do it, but here you find yourself in the midst of it not happening? It's training, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody say, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. 
you got to watch out for offense. Just after that, I got a great breakthrough and found myself preaching again. God spoke to Dr. Morocco and said, Daniel, you need to do something. I'm, this is all changing now. I mean, it was two weeks after that. I only had to take names down for about four weeks. And I got promoted because I submitted and got my joy back. And I'm going to tell you that if I didn't, and I know because it's my wife just loved me and prayed for me and slapped the snot out of me, told me to knock it off and get my joy back and get focused on God. Quit it. Who are you serving anyway? You serving man or you serving God, boy? She didn't quite say it that way. Has your spiritual life here, I want to make sure I don't miss any notes. Has your spiritual life been affected by offense? Have you made an inner vow to say, well, I will never, ever do that again? An inner vow. I used to run around our church a lot. We had this, we had like some serious men of God up in the house. Bishop somebody, Dr. Morocco, the apostle bishops people all at the front. Power of God hit me in such a way that when that happens, I cannot stay still. I must run. It's just the way that I, I run. Sometimes I run because I need a breakthrough. But most of the time I run because my, my body can't contain what my spirit wants to do. And I'll just turn loose. Run like Elijah. So I was wearing shoes not unsimilar to these with leather bottoms. Now, these, they're very slippery. The power God hit me. I took off running from the front. By the time I got to this point, I took off running here. By the time I got to this point, my 260-pound car- carcass, and I had a bit of a gut back then, I was on a 45-degree angle, and I, I fell prostrate on the carpet so hard, so fast, that I put blisters the entire size of both palms. Has anybody ever got like a gym burn, a carpet burn? We're talking serious burn. In fact, the burn mark was in the middle of that carpet. It might still be there today. I mean, just like, I was immediately in the flesh. I thought, what have I done? And I'm, I'm all out, and the men of God are looking at me, and I was just like, out, you know, out. I got up, I was like, Hallelujah, 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 praise God. And I just finished my lap like a good, because my daddy taught me. He's a Marine, you're going to finish, you don't quit. I got back to here with my wife, and she's like, oh my God. I thought, oh Jesus. I look at my hands, and they're so, I mean, they're so burned with pus and everything already. I thought, oh God. I mean, they hurt like really bad. I had to go to the hospital. They said he had third-degree burns on my palms. I did. I went to the hospital. You remember that? And I said, oh, God, I'm never going to do that again. And he said, yes, you will. And so at that, I just went, I better just worship. My mom was so proud of me falling prostrate before the apostles. My mother, you met my mother? She's like, son, I knew that you were just falling down because of the anointing. I gotta hurry up. Just because you did something and you got offended because of what happened or didn't work out? Don't you make some inner vow that you're gonna now quit and never do that again? Yes, you will. Get up. Suck it up. Forgive. Get over it. Come on, somebody say, get over it. 
All right, what to do if offended? I've got to hurry up. Michael, would you come? Confront. Everybody say confront. Now that's verse 3. If you don't confront that person, they won't learn. And sometimes that confrontation is because you need to get it out of your heart, and maybe they didn't even do anything. See, it's confront yourself too, but it's also confront other people. It's all part of boundaries. Boundaries class. When is it? Wednesday night. If you've got issues with people, you need to go to that class. So we should all sign up tonight. Okay, praise the Lord. You've got to confront. When somebody offends you, they do something that offends you, you need to, you need to let, it, you let them know. Because, you know, I mean, hello? If you don't confront somebody that's always doing something that hurts people, then that's not love. And you need to confront yourself. You know, maybe you have an issue. Look, look at one. Be open to having God reveal shortcomings in your life. Hello? Church isn't all about, it's about feeling good and goosebumps. It's about changing and becoming more like Jesus. That's what it's about. And are you going to get offended? Absolutely, yes. Why? Because you have issues on the inside of you that when truth comes forth, you don't exactly feel good about that. It doesn't always feel good. When you're serving God, you will know truth and you will hear it. And you have to have people that hold your shut-up card. You know what shut-up card is? My wife has one. If I have a dream and a vision and a castle and a tower and an impartation and a and 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 a, a you know an email and 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 Rama and a song and a dance, it all comes to tell me that I'm supposed to do this thing. Did you catch all that? And my wife says, No. Then guess what? No. It might be a timing issue. It really doesn't matter. I have to keep praying when my wife is in full agreement, had the dream, had the vision, had the castle experience and the impartation and the, and the, and the angel that came with the curtains that blew straight up or whatever, you know. You know, when she has that and we have it together and we're in agreement and we seek God, then we know. But even then, we have people outside our relationship that hold our shut-up card. I've got friends that know me. They know my life. They know my shortcomings. They know my strengths. They know, they, they've seen me walk the walk for 20, 20 years. And if I have some dream and a vision that doesn't match up, I've got friends that say, you know, I've had, I've had it happen. Hey, you know what? I know you want to do that, but, dude, I don't think that's God. All of my flesh wanted to do it. There's this still small voice saying, don't do it. Who's got your shut-up card? And if you cut them off when they rebuke you or tell you, just sit down, calm down, settle down, chill. I'm not talking about a religious spirit of control. I'm talking about love, people that know you. And if all around you, people say that you've got to ask God, are you talking to me? Oh, no, they don't hear from God. Oh, no. Then you can look for people that hear from God, and I'll tell you what will align all around you. People that hear straight from the pit of hell and it will take you down a street that you don't know the pain that comes out of that thing. And it might be ten years before you wake up and think, oh, I should have listened to my cell leader. Maybe you'll never wake up. Carlton Pearson. You ever heard of Carlton Pearson? Has anybody ever heard of Carlton Pearson? Now, I know I'm online right now. One of the greatest black leaders we've had in our nation, except he lost it. Why? 
because he didn't listen to the people that had his shut-up card. And he's been disfellowshipped by the body of Christ and has some weird cult somewhere. May God bring him back and set him on fire. Are you gossiping? I'm not gossiping. It's in the news. One of the greatest black apostolic leaders in, the, in the, our country was totally weird. And he got rebuked, he got corrected, and he just stayed steadfast on this revelation that he had. So you've got to confront and you've got to be open to having God reveal shortcomings in your life and repent. Everybody say repent. Last two points. Forgive. Everybody say forgive. You've got to forgive those who have offended you. Listen, I've, I've brought correction at times to people, my wife. And, I, and you know, I've messed up. I've, I've, I've brought a correction to my kids where I didn't do it right. I didn't, and I had to repent. It doesn't mean my the content was wrong. It just it says speak the truth in love. You can speak the truth without love, and you will hurt lots of people. That's not what God wants us to do. And if I let me just say this: if I've offended you, and I've hurt you, it was not my intention. I love you. I want to be the best pastor I possibly can be. And if I have, please forgive me. Please, let's just get on. Let's get on with it. All right. And I forgive you too. <laughs> Woo! Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I forgive you. Go ahead, go ahead. I forgive you. Go ahead and look at the other way. Look at the other person and say, I forgive you. It's all good. It's all good. Because I don't want to leave out any blanks. Last one, and we close. Commit yourself to be reconciled to others. You gotta commit yourself to be reconciled to people. You gotta love people. Love God, love people. Say, I love God, but I don't know about the people. God put people in your life so that He could change you to be like Jesus. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Did you get something tonight? I did too. If you're here tonight and you've been offended, you've gone through something, you realize, oh my goodness, I have a little bit of a sting there. And it's affecting your spiritual life and you want to get it out. You don't have to have one more night with the frogs. Pharaoh, Pharaoh with, with, with Moses, Moses says, we'll end the plague. He says, no, one more night. You don't have to have one more night with the frogs. You've been offended about things in your heart. You want to get it out. Come to the front. Come on. Come on. Just come. Just before God. Thank you, Jesus. It's just a statement of faith to say, God, I see this thing. I'm getting rid of it tonight. Come on, just talk to the Lord right now. Just talk to Him. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Take away the pain. You got to forgive people who offended you. People do stuff. They're, you know, it wasn't right. It wasn't right. You got to forgive it. I was in a discipleship program years ago. You know, 
the program. And and there was this guy from he was a gang he was a gang banger. And he had gotten out of the you know, he escaped from the gang. He still had to get beat out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, he hadn't gotten beat out yet. Now he's in the program. Getting discipled. And he had these really nice sneakers, man. And I'm gonna tell you some inner city, that kind of culture. Don't touch the man's shoes. Don't touch his shoes. Don't touch don't touch his stuff. Don't sit on his bed. Don't touch. It's a sign of disrespect. So this Southern California kid who grew up a totally different surfer sort of type guy. He was having a bad day or something. So he goes over. The kid's right there. I'm talking to him. He goes over. He does a tap dance on top of the kid's shoes and sits on his bed and, and, and wiggles around. And goes, what are you going to do now? Now I'm going to tell you that is a recipe for getting for getting stabbed. Okay, that, that that's the next step of what would happen with that. We're not talking about a fight. We're talking about that's it. You die. That's where that he. That's where the kind of kid came from. I'm standing there. I'm like, oh no. The kid goes. I'm have to forgive you, brah. I forgive you. I forgive you. And he like walked away. I thought, that dude got saved. <laughs> He's saved. Come on, when you get saved, when you get healed, your old patterns will break down. Come on, somebody, just talk to Jesus tonight. Lord, forgive. Come on, you're not, you need to forgive people. Forgive your, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. Just let it go. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, our debts, our trespasses as we forgive. If you don't forgive, then your, your sin remains. Let that be a motivator. Come on, just talk to Jesus. We're almost done tonight. Come on, talk to the Lord. Karen, would you join me on the platform, please? Just let the Holy Spirit come on you right now. The balm of Gilead. Healing Jesus. Come on, forgive. Let it go. Let the Lord touch you. Let Him heal you. Break that inner vow. I'll never do that thing again. Break it. Come on, you're going to do whatever God tells you. You're not the boss. Come on, break that thing. Healing Jesus. Break a spirit of offense. Break offense off of your people tonight. Break offense off the body of Christ. Liberate your people. We will not be ignorant of the devil's a life where we confront our own issues, lovingly confront others, and live a life of forgiveness and reconciliation. Say this. Say, Lord, I'm not going to let anything deter me from the purpose 
that you have for my life. Amen. Did you get something? Take someone by the hand all across this place. sudden you find yourself offended, look at what the Lord's trying to do. Look for the trigger and ask him to heal you for that thing. Amen? Let's pray. tonight and we thank you God that it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword and we just thank you for cutting away Lord those things, the offenses and the different things in our lives God that would keep us from doing all that you would have us do. Father touch your people tonight God. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance upon them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus name. Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you. Hope to see you Friday night. Don't forget if you're going to sign up for the membership class, I need you to sign up tonight so I know how much dinner to make. We love you. God bless you. It's the last night to sign up for the real membership class. Be a part of all the great things that are taking place around here. If you have a home church, make sure you go back to it. Praise the Lord. On Sunday, if you don't have a home church, we'd love to be that for you. Those of you online, God bless you. We hope to see you in service. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.